Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Well, we have another week rolling, and I am glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we cover it all from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The water challenges of the Texas High Plains that we talk about so often are even an issue when we consider ways to go about improving soil health. I'm James Hunt, and I'll explain that on Texas Ag Today. The American Farm Bureau Federation has just completed its policy business session virtually, and Texas farmers and ranchers were there. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. Texas corn production fell in 2020, while sorghum production rose. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Texas farmers produced an estimated 232 million bushels of corn last year. That is 19 percent lower than 2019's production. Statewide yields averaged 128 bushels an acre, down 5 bushels an acre from 2019. Texas farmers produced an estimated 94.5 million bushels of grain sorghum in 2020, up 11 percent from 2019. Yields averaged about 63 bushels an acre, up two from 2019. Farmers harvested about 1.5 million acres of grain sorghum in Texas last year. That's up 7% from 2019. It looks like Texas will continue to see warmer and drier than normal temperatures through March. According to the National Weather Service, there's a 95% chance La Nina will prevail in the northern hemisphere over the next few months. La Nina is characterized by unusually low temperatures in the equatorial Pacific. It is the opposite of El Nino, which typically brings wetter, cooler-than-normal temperatures to Texas. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host the Northwest Panhandle Agriculture Conference online this year. The program on January 20th is targeted to producers living in Moore and Sherman counties. The January 28th program is geared more toward those in Dallum and Hartley counties. For details, visit today.agrilife.org. Texas farmers produced about 490 million pounds of peanuts last year, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That is up 2 million pounds from 2019's production. Yields in 2020 averaged 2,800 pounds an acre. That's down about 250 pounds an acre from 2019. Approximately 175,000 acres of peanuts were harvested last year, up 15,000 acres. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension offices in Terry and Yoakum counties will host the South Plains Agriculture Conference online from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. January 20th. Cost is $15. You must register in advance. A link to RSVP is available at today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
The first estimate of the 2021 cotton crop is out and acreage is expected to decrease this year, despite prices in the high 70s for new crop cotton. Cotton Grower Magazine released its annual acreage survey estimate during the recent Beltwide Cotton Conferences. Cotton Grower Senior Editor Jim Stedman. Well, Kerry, it was uh, it was very interesting to, to put it together. We always do this, uh, our survey, right in late November, early December. So just as growers, for the most part, are pretty much coming out of the fields. And obviously, being that early, you're going to get some interesting, interesting results on it. But the results overall from our survey this year, it looks like uh, we're going to be planting uh, about 11.6 million acres of cotton. That's down about 45 4.7% from USDA's number from last June of, uh, of 12,185,000 acres. So that's that's overall looking at both upland and, uh, and the ELS cottons. Jim, where do you see most of those cuts in acreage coming from? Well, when you look at it, really and truly the cuts are coming all across the board. You know, we, we surveyed our readers. Uh, we've, we've talked to cotton extension specialists uh, and other folks in the industry, some of the economists. And really and truly out of all the cotton producing states, everybody's down a little bit with the exception of, of uh, Florida, which is gonna be up about 10,000 acres. And I wonder if that is, have, has more to do with the rotational issue than it does uh, you know, actual new acres for cotton. It just may be that year that, to bring that, that back in. Uh, well, let's look at the Southwest for a minute. You know, When you take Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas combined, uh, we're projecting 7,240,000 acres for this year. Uh, last year, that total was uh, about 200,000 acres higher. And Kansas, we see a slight decline. We see a slight decline in Oklahoma. Texas is probably, our numbers are showing going from 6.6 million last year down to 6.5. So, you know, relatively steady in Texas when you take everything into consideration. But uh, I think there's still so many factors out there right now that growers are having to wrestle with. Uh, cotton prices are great. Uh, in fact, br- the cotton prices have probably gone up almost a dime since we did this survey. So that may that may have some impact on some other surveys that are coming up. But you know, corn prices are good. Grain prices are good. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year in terms of making decisions and seeing where all these acres fall out. The drought situation here in Texas can definitely influence how many acres go into cotton this year. With strong corn and sorghum prices there could be some stiff competition for acres. The water challenges of the Texas High Plains are an issue in improving soil health in that part of the state. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Soil health is something we hear about more and more in agriculture circles, but what exactly is soil health? What criteria do we use? Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says a lot of people go with this description from USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. They define soil health as a process to disturb the soil as little as possible, grow as many different species as possible, keep the soil covered at all times, and have a live root in the soil at all times. Dr. Bell says those things all sound good in principle, but for Texas High Plains agriculture, We really have to evaluate what is practical for this region and what aspects of that can we implement and maintain our productivity or improve productivity for that matter, because that's our whole objective with improving our soil health. 
Dr. Bell says by necessity, how to go about achieving soil health will have to vary farm by farm. Perhaps that's truest of all when it comes to the practice of planting cover crops instead of allowing fields to have fallow periods. Many advocate the use of cover crops for the sake of soil health, but water's an issue. Implementation and adoption of cover crops has been very slow in the Texas High Plains because we are concerned about that stored soil water. And as well capacities have become even more depleted, we have seen that we have to really have that bank, the short soil water, to carry us through some of the peak water use demand periods during the season. But cover crops might actually help farmers when it comes to water. We'll talk about that in tomorrow's report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas farmers and ranchers took part in the business session of the recent American Farm Bureau Convention. Gary Joyner has more. I'm in Waco today, and I'm joined by Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining of Wilson County. The Texas Farm Bureau voting delegates and delegates across the country just completed a delegate session of the American Farm Bureau Federation. President Baining, how is the experience in this virtual format? Well, first of all, Gary, it was very different. Uh, I made the comment earlier today we were in sunny Waco instead of sunny San Diego. Uh, but I think we adapted very well. Uh, it, was, it was very much a different experience. Uh, but as we got rolling through it, I think we, uh, we changed some of the rules to that, for the convention. But I think everyone had a chance to participate, and I think it went well. What were some of the issues nationally that were of interest to the Texas farmers and ranchers? Well, I think there were several, but, but specifically there's some livestock marketing issues uh, that we discussed at length. You know, and this has been discussed somewhat in the past, but the uh, percentage of negotiated trade and those type of things, I think that those were of high interest to our folks. And I think we came up with some really good compromise language. Uh, another one's labeling. Uh, and when we start talking about uh, labeling different things, product of the USA, uh, I think we have some language in there now that, that kind of makes sense for our, for our beef producers. What happens to the policies that were approved today? Well, the policies that are approved today go in the American Farm Bureau policy book, and there'll be things that we'll work on as we go forward in the new year with the new Congress and the new administration, uh, especially if things along those policies are introduced as, as uh, potential laws. Policy development is really not a first finish and end. It's a year-round process. Yeah, especially so. Uh, you know, we really start policy development seriously in the summer, I guess you could say. Uh, but we'll start looking at it right now. Uh, you know, things that we passed and, and maybe have to be tweaked for next year already, uh, uh, especially doing it virtually. Uh, there, it, there, it was a little more difficult to discuss some things, I believe. But again, I think overall it went well. What's the mood among Texas farmers and ranchers uh, as you travel the state and visit with growers? It's been a tough year, but people looking forward. Well, most of the reports I get back, and you talk about traveling the state, we haven't traveled the state as much as we normally have. Uh, but just talking to a lot of the folks that we had up here, we had, uh, of course, our state directors, and then we had delegates from every district. The mood was really pretty positive. Uh, as, as many of you know, it's, it's rained across much of the state. Uh, we do know that there's still dry pockets. Commodity prices have improved. So I think the mood is good. You know, a little apprehension moving into the new administration. Uh, but that's understandable. Anytime you move into a new administration, uh, you got things to, to work out and work on. You've been around this process a long time. As a volunteer leader, every year is different. This year, completely different. Very much so. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, 20, 2020 has been very different. And really going into 2021, not a whole lot has changed 
from the way we started adapting back in March. So, but again, I think we've, you know, we've done a lot of Zoom meetings. Everybody has, uh, no matter what you're doing, you, you've had to adapt. And uh, I think, I think Farm Bureau has, and I think agriculture has. And, and uh, hopefully as we go forward, we'll get back to somewhat what's closer to normal. That's Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining of Wilson County. I'm Gary Joyner with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first share lunker of the year has been caught. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And fracking is a common practice in oil and gas drilling here in Texas, but does it have an effect on nearby horses? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will explore that question coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We see a lot of fracking here in Texas when it comes to oil and gas drilling, but does all of that fracking have an effect on nearby horses? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. Dr. Kathleen Mullen from Littleton Equine Medical Center in Colorado indicated at the AAEP convention that she investigated a group of foals with the inability to swallow. The inability to swallow is called dysphagia, and this was noted at a standard bred broodmare farm in Pennsylvania, and these foals had a good suckle reflex but exhibited subdued mentation. Typically, newborn foals are very alert, but foals at one breeding farm were found to be sluggish and aspirate milk when nursing. 30 to 50% of the foals born on the farm were affected over a three-year period, and since the farm was adjacent to a fracking area, it was possible this was somehow involved. Dr. Mullen indicates fracking involves drilling vertically and then horizontally to access natural gas reserves. Fluid is injected under high pressure to fracture the shale bed and release the trapped gas, and a study revealed that many of the chemicals used in this process can have an hormonal effect and can affect human infants. The study had a control farm located a few hundred miles away that used the same feed and bedding as the affected farm. The control farm had no cases of dysphagia, while the affected farm had 17 cases with all but three foals becoming normal by 11 days of age. The researchers found the water supply to contain higher concentrations of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons than the farm water in the control study. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first share lunker of the year has been caught. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Just days after the 35th season of the Toyota Sherlunker program kicked off, an angler on Sam Rayburn Reservoir reeled in a 13.44-pound largemouth bass. The bass is the first legacy-class Sherlunker of the season. Travis Moore caught the bass during the Bass Champs Tournament January 9th using a Carolina rig. Moore told the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department it was one of the best days of his life. 
After catching the bass, he had it weighed and donated it to the Toyota Sherlunker program for selective breeding at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. Kyle Brookshire, program coordinator, says these donated lunkers help improve bass fishing in management in Texas. The stocking portion of our hatcheries is quite extensive, and obviously our hatcheries produce more than just largemouth bass, but the specific focus of the fishery center is largemouth bass. Fish that are brought in and selectively bred, there's a portion of those offspring that are held back to recreate our brood stock, which is our statewide brooders that produce fingerlings for our stockings, and then a portion of that is taken back to the lake that contributed. So in short, what we're trying to do is our, our brood fish produce the offspring that are stocked in all reservoirs of Texas. And then our selectively bred sherlunkers, that offspring amount is put only into the contributing lakes that have loaned a sherlunker. And so what we're trying to do by recreating our brood stock is increase that stocking of those trophy genetic offspring from just a selectively few reservoirs to all of the lakes in Texas that we manage. For more on the program, visit TexasShareLunker.com. That is TexasShareLunker.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. All of our agricultural markets were closed on Monday for the MLK holiday, but we'll take a quick look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. That's coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We finally saw the cattle market turn to the upside in Friday's trade. However, that followed a week of steady losses. Although we did see a higher close on Friday, it wasn't nearly enough to overcome the losses that we saw earlier in the week. Here's a rundown of how the cattle futures market wrapped up the week. February live cattle up 70, 112.77. The April up 97 at 118.20. June live cattle up a dollar thirty two one sixteen twenty seven. January feeder cattle up a dollar ninety seven one thirty four fifty seven. March feeders up two forty five at one thirty five eighty two. The April up two thirty one thirty eight thirty. Cash fed cattle market drifted lower throughout the week. Last week we saw cattle sell at one ten on Tuesday, one oh nine on Wednesday. 108 on Thursday, so a steady decline in prices. We ended up wrapping up the week $3 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was higher on Friday, choice up 25 cents, 213.62, select up 208 at 203.15. Let's check the auction markets now. We'll start with the weekly sheep and goat auction in San Angelo. Producers livestock auction selling 2,605 sheep and goats. Compared to the previous week, wool feeder lambs were 10 to 15 higher. Slaughter hair lambs 10 to 20 higher, with the heavier weights going as much as 30 higher. Slaughter ewes mostly steady. Kid goats were 10 to 20 higher. Slaughter nannies $1.40 to 212, mostly in the 180 to $2 range. Mature billies $1.80 to 230. 
Wolf feeder lambs, $1.60 to $3.20, mostly $2.20 to $3. Slaughter lambs, the lighter weights, selling from $2.80 to $3.64. Heavy slaughter lambs, $2.00 to $3.38. Slaughter ewes, $90 to $1.28. Kid goats, $2.50 to $3.88, mostly $3.30 to $3.70. Now let's head up to the panhandle. Cattlemen's Livestock Auction in Dalhart, selling 2,087 head. Steers under 700 pounds were steady. Steers over 700 pounds, mostly $2 to $4 lower. Medium and large frame number one feeder steers, weighing 3 to 400 pounds, brought $1.81 to $1.99. Four to five weight steers, $1.63 to $1.90. Five to 600 pounders, $1.43 to $1.79. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar thirty-three to a dollar fifty-five a pound. Seven to eight weight steers brought a dollar eighteen to a dollar thirty-four, and the heavy eight to nine hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar twenty-seven a pound. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished the week higher. February up a dollar sixty-two, sixty-seven ninety-two. The April up fifty-seven at seventy-two sixty-five. Class three milk higher. January milk up two at sixteen twenty-four. February milk up twenty-six cents, nineteen seventeen a hundred weight. The cotton market closed mixed in a fairly quiet trade to wrap up the week. March cotton down forty-five points at eighty seventy. May down thirty-eight, eighty-one sixty-two. December cotton up twenty-two points, seventy-seven oh two. The wheat market continuing to climb. We hit levels on Friday that we haven't seen in six years. The tight stocks situation supporting the market. Also news that Russia is going to double its wheat export tax to try to keep more wheat at home and less wheat going on to the world market. July Kansas City wheat up four and three quarters, 645 and a half. July Chicago wheat up two and three quarters, 657 and three quarters. The corn market mixed March corn down two and three quarters, five thirty one and a half. September corn up one and a half, four eighty five and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas up eight cents, two seventy five. February crude oil down a dollar forty, fifty two seventeen a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down one hundred twelve points at thirty thousand eight seventy. The Nasdaq down ninety one, thirteen thousand twenty. The S&P 500 down 20 at 3,774. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.